0: And the church said, Amen. Amen. And when I grew up, that was 728B. All of you people, what does that mean? Well, if you remember the songbooks, back in the olden days, we had songbooks. Just to let you know, and it was 728B. Anybody remember that but me? All right. I'm sure when we get to heaven, somebody's going to say, 728B. All you millennials will be going, Huh? I'm just kidding. God is good. Amen. 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 Did you see all those kids up here today? That was just wonderful. Love to see them. They they are just so excited. I wish we could continue to have that energy that they have. You know, they were, were singing, and well, Kyle, while you were leading singing, we were getting them prepared. Did you see them up here just uh, that full of that energy and excited about being uh, children? Just excited about that. And we are the children of God, and we should be excited. Amen. All right, we're going to talk about defeats and victories today. It's totally left up to you if you want to win in life. Did you know that? It's totally left up to you whether you want to win in life. You get to decide whether you're going to win in life. God has given his son and said, simply you can have life or death. It's your choice. Jesus has told us throughout his word that he is life, and even though you die, yet shall you live if you trust in him. So if you trust in Him, you, sh- you shall win the victory. Give me an amen. amen. The question is, have you chose the victory? Well, I don't know. I may be waiting for something else. I'm waiting for something else to come along. Maybe there will be something better that's out there. There's nothing better out there. For only Jesus can give you true victory. Give me an amen. amen. All right, all right. You know what today is? It's Super Bowl Sunday, we call it. Billions of dollars will be spent, and that's just on the food that we're going to eat, right? Nonetheless, I like the high school football coach that walked into the locker room before. This one's for Brett. And he, just before the big game, but his best player on the team wasn't allowed to play because he had failed arithmetic. And he really felt bad. So the coach goes to the principal before the game and said, please let him play. Can't let him do that. But I'll tell you what, if he passes this one test, this one question, we'll let him play. Okay, no no problem. That's great. So he goes in the locker room and he he calls all the players in. They all gather around, Johnny or whoever he is. And he's looking at him and said, Johnny, I'm not supposed to let you play. But the principal said, I'll let you play today if you pass this one question. You get it correct. Okay, coach, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll try he said, okay, listen closely, and all the players were listening closely, and he leaned in, and he says, how much is two plus two? He thought for a moment, and all the players are looking on, and he's thinking about it, and he said, four, four, did you say four, the coach said? Oh, he was so excited, and about that time, all the players leaned in and said, oh, come on, coach, give him another chance. It's one of my favorites. Uh, but one for the kiddos, one for the kiddos. It's okay to laugh. In church, there's nothing wrong with that. Laughter's good medicine, and it looks like some of you need some medicine today. All right. Um, here's one for you. A little first grade teacher or, or teacher of the first graders explained in her class that she was a San Francisco 49ers fan. And she asked the students, is there any San Francisco 49er fans in the classroom? And every kid in the classroom raised their hand. They didn't know what that meant, but they all raised their hand because they want to please the teacher. All except for little Paula, that is. She didn't go along with the crowd. The teacher asked her then, why, why, "Why? what made you be different? What is the problem here? She said, because I'm not a 49ers fan. Oh, you're not? Well, what are you? She said, well, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Well, why are you a Kansas City Chiefs fan? She said, well, my mom and daddy, they're Kansas City Chiefs fans, and so I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Oh, said the teacher. But she said, you see, sweetheart, that doesn't make any sense. See, she said, now listen to this. What if your mom, your, what if your mom was a moron and your dad was an idiot? What would you be? And the little girl looked at her and simply said, I'd be a San Francisco 49er fan. <laughs> <laughs> god is good amen? amen amen and amen one will just uh, one will win the game and simply say we won i'm going to disney world and another will put their head down and simply walk off the field and try again another year hopefully Nonetheless, most of the teams, as you know, if you follow anything in football, um, you know that basically it comes down, if they're evenly matched and it looks as though these teams are today, who knows, but nonetheless, they lose because of the fundamentals of the game and oftentimes that's what we do as Christians. Just the fundamentals of the game, if you will, we somehow get off track and we begin to lose heart lose the compassion and the faith that God would have us to have. They're called turnovers in the game. Nobody likes them. I like cherry turnovers, but I don't like turnovers when my team's playing at all. But nonetheless, most likely there will be some today as you watch the game. So here are three costly turnovers that could happen today, at least some of them probably will happen today, and that can cost the other team greatly, but also these are things that happen in your life, and my life, and they can cost us greatly in the game that we are in as Christians. The first one is a thing called a safety. A safety is this particular thing. It is when an offensive player holding the ball is tackled in his own end zone. And in this process, it awards the other team two points and they get the ball back so actually it could measure up to some nine points just in one mistake called a safety. A safety happens when you least expect it. And you're normally not, and you, again, from the front line, begins to collapse. And somehow, if you will, the quarterback or the running back squirts around in his own end zone and can't quite get out. And he gets nailed in the end zone that happens in our lives as well as Christians we go through many things like that as well when you least expect it things come along things happen in your life you let your guard down a little bit on your prayer life or maybe in your reading of God's Word or maybe in your attendance or maybe it is that you just somehow just drift away in that process But it can also come along when things seemingly going well in your life. Things are just happen in your life, and they just do. And you find yourself in the end zone, flat on your back, with a whammy put on you. It can also, because of someone else in your life has let the guard down. They have failed, just like that front line. When they failed, the barriers broke. And because of their failure, it can cost you greatly. And perhaps that's the case in some that are here today. Someone in your life has let their guard down and it's affected you. Because you see, your sin affects me. It affects me. It affects all of us in our walk with God. So we're called to be strong and healthy. But when times when we're not, we get put on our backs and we get hit with a whammy, if you will, in our lives. Where in Scripture might you find a story like that? Well, where do you start? In the Old Testament, the, God's people once again had kind of walked away from God, or they turned away from him, no doubt. So God allows this king, and, and Jeremiah 52, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, he marches into Jerusalem, and as you can read there for yourself and uh, uh, look at that, you'll see that when they came in, they marched in, and God allowed them to basically just annihilate Jerusalem. The wall was broken down, it was burnt, and it was a terrible thing that had taken place that had happened there in all of that. Now for the safeties of our walls in our life, we get knocked down, and they look impossible to rebuild because the enemy seems so strong in our lives. Now I don't know how long you've been going through what you've been going through, but I don't think that you've been going through it for 150 years. For you see, the walls of Jerusalem had laid in ruin for some hundred and fifty years. But here's a good key. When he found someone, a man, that was willing to get in the game, something special happened. You might know the story. Nehemiah Nehemiah comes along in Nehemiah chapter 2 and he begins to say that he goes to Jerusalem and he inspects and he sees and he spends some time there and he sees what's happened and he begins to weep because of what has happened to this, this wonderful city of God, if you will. And he weeps because of it. And God puts on his heart, God puts on his heart something special to do, just to rebuild the wall. And he he stays there for this period of time. And then he said, you see the trouble that we are in, in verse number 17. Jerusalem lies in ruin, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild. Somebody needs to hear that today, that God is speaking to your spirit, even as I speak, that he's saying, come, let us rebuild the walls. The wall that's been knocked down, the things in your life that have been hurt, the things that you have been faced with in it. In other words, get back in the game. God wants His people in the game of life. Give me an amen. And He does. So in Nehemiah chapter 6, after all of the army there of Nebuchadnezzar laughed at him and made fun of him, and no one thought it could be done, it couldn't happen, and in the scripture there it says, in just 52 days he rebuilt the wall. One person standing for the truth can change the lives of many. The question will be, are you one? Are you one that wants to see that happen? in your life or in someone else's life never forget that God can do more for you in an instant than it might take you and you feel is impossible for a lifetime to do safeties happen but I want to tell you God is saying stay in the game stay in the game because it's not over yet can I get an amen, amen. the second one I want to mention today is the interceptions Interceptions are a bad thing. An interception is a pass caught by the defensive player, normally by the quarterback of the offensive team throwing the ball, and it's called a turnover. We don't like those things, but it happens in our Christian walk as well. We too are often intercepted in life. Someone gets the job that you think you deserved. Someone gets the raise that you think you ought to have. Someone does something that you feel like, well, wait a minute, it's supposed to be mine. Somebody's intercepted what is rightfully mine. Anybody been there in life? And when you do, it hurts. It hurts, and you you hurt. Someone gets selected over you, and for some reason you can't quite understand it. Where do we find Scripture to maybe back that one up? Again, where do you start? There's a great story of a man in Scripture. It appears as though we talked about the, words, the word in class that we use today is perfect. It's the righteousness of God is what we strive for. But God says, be holy as I am holy. You cannot be holy in and of yourself. Only in and through Jesus Christ is that possible for your life. And in that process of all those things going on in your life, that's, it can bring so much, but there's a man... In the Old Testament, his name is Joseph. Now, he wasn't a perfect man, but you read his story, and it appears as though he does really, really good. But right at the beginning, it seems that he messes up a little bit. You see, God gives him this great dream, as you see on their screen. God gives him this great dream, and he's excited about the dream that God gives him. And we should be excited about the dreams that God gives us. But what he did and realized is that his brothers wouldn't take it the same way. And sometimes, even in church, people don't take it the right way. He goes to tell his brothers about this dream that God had given him and thought that they would be really excited because their brother was given this dream. And what happens? They accept him? Not quite. They plot to kill him, the scripture says, his own brother. So he comes onto the scene and yet he doesn't get killed. They, they say, well, we better not kill him. That, that ain't the right thing to do. We'll just put him in this pit for a while. And they say, well, that really won't work. And so they see this caravan going by and they sell him off to the caravan. Let's make a little money off the deal here intercepted by life. You think on his way to where he was going with this caravan sold into slavery, do you feel that somewhere he had to be thinking, God, I don't remember this in my dream. Who intercepted my dream? I'm not sure this was you, God. I'm not sure this is going on. It doesn't mention that, but somehow because we know humans have feelings and thoughts in their lives as well, he had to be thinking something That was going on that was messed up. And I want you to know in this, the interceptions of our lives, it can cause great pain and great stress of things. But remember, it can get a whole lot worse. For it did for Joseph. He not only gets sold into slavery, now he's working for this particular person And he's over the whole household, Potiphar, and and there while in this process, he does what? He's working there, and Potiphar's wife has the hots for him. But Joseph doesn't have the hots for her. And so she tries to entice him, and, and he flees. It's a good piece of advice. And he flees. And so he's then accused of trying to rape her, basically, and then he's thrown into prison. You think he's thinking in prison? What in the world happened? Another interception. I didn't mean to throw one. What happened in my life? You don't plan those interceptions in your life, and sometimes they just happen even when you're doing good. But it's not over yet. You see, he gets intercepted again because he, as he's in prison, he has these revealing, these dreams to others. And he tells this dream of this one person and he gets out of prison and it doesn't go too good for him. Chop, chop. Not good. But he tells another one and he's going to get out of prison and he's going to be uh, put right in his, back in his right place. And he told the man before he got out of prison, just let them know about me, don't forget about me. Sure, no problem. He forgot about it. He's got to be thinking for another three years, what happened another interception in my life? It can get a whole lot worse before it gets better. Just because someone intercepts your dream, please understand, it doesn't mean that it's over. And just because there's an interception in the game today doesn't necessarily mean it's over. You got to remember that in your life because some of you are thinking that. In the life of Joseph and all the things that he went through, you would think that somehow, somehow through this process, he thought, it's over. My dream will never be fulfilled. My destiny is this prison. Not the case. He was eventually let out of prison, as you know. He was put in charge of a complete, if you will, a complete nation. The entire nation was saved from starvation because of what God had blessed him with. He didn't give up. He stayed in the game. In fact, he became the hero of the game, did he not? He was the MVP of the whole thing. And God's plan worked out just like God had planned for it to work out. And now while everybody was starving to death, and everybody was coming to Joseph through this process to try to get some food, his brothers come. And his brothers get there, they're begging for food as well, because everybody's starving to death because of the drought. And Joseph looks at his brothers and says, Ha ha, I got you right where I want you. No. The scripture gives us a compassionate story. It gives us one that we, can, we should pull from in our lives as well. I don't hold this against you. I don't hold anything against you. He told his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He didn't take his eyes off the goal. He didn't take his eyes off the dream in which God had given him. It's found in Genesis chapter 50, if you're looking for it, in verse number 20. Don't you ever give up on your dreams. I try to instill this into young people's lives is don't give up on your dreams. They may not always come out exactly what you think they are, but if you're trusting God, I can promise you that God will see them come true in your life. That's how God works. Just because you're intercepted, don't give up. If He wants it to come to pass, it'll come to pass. Give me an Amen. Now for the fumbles of life. Fumbles occur when a player loses the ball while running or being tackled if the other team recovers it. Again, it's called a turnover. Not all, but some fumbles are caused by great hits. There's a great jolt. you mean be watching a game, if you've ever watched one, and someone gets real hit really hard, and you almost hear within in the room, you go, oh, that dude got hammered, we say. And there goes the ball, and they're all trying to figure it out. And sometimes in our lives, and perhaps in your life, you've been hit so hard that you fumbled. you fumbled in your life. But other times, it seemingly just slips out of your hand, doesn't it? Slippery little suckers, aren't they? You didn't mean to. It's a handoff. It doesn't appear. They show it in slow motion, and they're just running along, and all of a sudden, the ball's just out there. You ever do that as well? Having a really good day and just something came up, and all of a sudden out of your mouth, you said something? You fumble the ball again. You're working on some things and something goes across your you think something, another fumble comes along in your life. They happen to all of us. In all of these things. As for Christians, we too just sometimes fumble the ball. There's no doubt. But sometimes we get hit hard, as I mentioned. The doctor says, I'm sorry. I have to give you this report. Some of you have been there. Maybe for yourself or a loved one. Some of you have been there in times like that. Or a loved one has taken way too soon. And you're like, how hard is that hit? Maybe it is the loss of a job. And you're 45 years old and you're like, what can I do now? Maybe it's the spouse that just simply said, I no longer love you. And they walk out. It's happened to people in this room. And it hurts. We might say, good luck with that. We might say, well, you know, hey, there's someone else out there. But in the stillness of the night, it hurts. And it hurts deep, doesn't it? Well, one guy in Scripture made more fumbles in one game than anybody that I know of. Of course, you know him as a guy by the name of Peter. Peter was a guy that I find myself more like him. I don't want to be, but I find myself like him often because I fumble the ball too. In Matthew chapter 26, there's an interesting story that's taking place there. And Peter is is told that he's going to fumble the ball. You're going to fumble the ball. And you're going to fumble it not once, not twice, but three times before daybreak. And Peter's like, no, not me. That dude there's got slippery hands, but not me. I don't fumble. I haven't fumbled yet, and I'm not about to start fumbling. I'm going to hold on tight. I'm going to be able to get through that line. I'm going to win this game for you, Lord. And the Lord said, oh, no. Three times you're going to fumble. Oh, not me. But we know as we move through the story in John chapter 18, it tells us that this is um, during this time that uh, Jesus is, is being led off to trial. He's about to be beaten, hung on a cross for your sins and my sins. Oh, Peter's hanging in there. Peter's doing seemingly pretty good. He even follows along with the other disciples to find out what's going on. Remember Peter just a few moments ago before this had cut off Malchus's ear and said, Ha-ha, I'm here for you. And the Lord said, Put it up. Put the ear back on that guy. That guy had a story to tell. So Peter must be thinking, Well, here we go. And so the Scripture goes heads and unfolds there. You can see the Scriptures there that they'll put up. But and through that process, he's warming his hands by the fire. Those that have gathered, and one guy simply says, hey, you, you, aren't you one of those guys over there we saw? No, 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 not me. Fumble number one. What do you think Peter's thinking in that moment between that one and the next one? If you've ever played football and I have, and you ever fumble the ball, you know what goes through your mind. So maybe he clears himself a little bit, but a few minutes later, somebody says, Hey, I'm pretty sure I saw you over there. No, 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 not me. Fumble number two. And then finally, someone comes along and says, No, 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 your accent's about to give you away, buddy. I know for sure that you were out there. Look at that blood on your sword right there. No, he said. No, he said. And then we know what happened. The rooster crows. He fumbles three times. And after three fumbles, you would think that he would be taken out of the game, don't you? Coaches, you take him out of the game. He's got to get his head right, at least get his head right. Take him out of the game. It just makes sense. And perhaps you feel that way. Perhaps you're finding yourself sitting on the bench and somebody's not here today. They're sitting on a bench. Who are they? Somebody needs to call them and say, no, 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 no. Don't feel that way. Maybe you feel that you've failed too many times. All your chances are over. Well, listen, God doesn't work like that. We might. In fact, we do. He longs to get us back in the game. Can I hear an amen? With Peter, Christ had already told him over in Matthew chapter 16. Do you remember? He tells him over in Matthew chapter 16. He said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. He said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. What? Jesus doesn't keep him out of the game. He actually puts him on the front line. He says, no, I'm calling your play again and again and again and again. But Lord, I fumbled the ball three times. I know, I know, but I'm not through with you yet. Isn't that amazing what our God says about us? Anybody fumble the ball this week besides me? God's not finished with you yet. So after Jesus' death, burial, and now resurrection in chapter 21 of the book of John, he begins to strike up this conversation, talking to the disciples, and now he's talking to Peter alone, and he's telling him, he's saying, "Do you love me?" Well, yes, Lord, I love you. Do you love me, Peter? Well, yes, Lord, I love you. You remember how many times he denied him? He denied him three times, and he asked him how many times he loved him, three times. And I know there's the more implication there that you can pull from that, and the agape love, and all those things. But I think he wants to just to seek it in. Do you love me? Did you love me when you dropped the ball the third time? Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said, get back in the game. Feed my sheep. Now that is an awesome God we have. How does that relate with us in all of this? He didn't keep him out of the game. And just because he fumbled the ball or you fumbled the ball doesn't mean he's going to keep you out of the game. Someone needs to hear that today. If it's not somebody in this room, it's going to be somebody that gets this CD or whatever, listens to it online, and they're going to say, Really? You mean God will give me another chance when I've failed over and over again? Yes, yes, and yes again. Can you give them an amen? That's pretty weak. My God is not weak. Old people might say, put him on the bench, fire him, get rid of him, but not our Jesus. So no matter what comes your way in life, whether it's a fumble, a safety, or an interception that life might cause, remember this. You are on God's team. Hallelujah. You are on God's team. And if you don't walk away, the victory, not the defeat, but the victory will be yours as well. Don't fall for the lie of Satan that it's over. Don't look at the scoreboard. Don't look at the statistics. And don't look at all of those mistakes that you've made in life. Look at Jesus. For in Him it is finished. In Joshua chapter one, he says, "Remember that I command you to be strong and brave or strong and courageous. Don't be afraid, because the Lord your God will be with you every where you go." So one last word: Don't let Satan intercept the love that God has passed to you through His Son Jesus Christ. Satan wants to intercept that today. You've heard that Jesus loves you and died on the cross for you. And if you believe in Him, repent of your sins, confess that He is Lord, and experience the new birth that He has promised, that He would put you on His team and you can win the victory. And let me tell you what's happening. Satan's trying his best this very moment to intercept that truth from you. And only you can grab what God has said is rightfully yours. Don't let Satan intercept what God has for you. The worst decision, the worst decision that you can make in your life is to refuse the game of life. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one cometh to the Father except through me. If you don't get in the game, you can't win the victory. But in Jesus, Jesus is the one that invites you in the game today for one reason. So that you and I can win the victory. God is an awesome God. Today, you can turn your seemingly defeats, whatever they've been, into great victories. For if you listen to Jesus... He will get you through. What's your decision? Come together as we stand and sing.